curtains up. Like the lights. <laughs> I'm Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. And this is Dreading the Boards, a Ooh. podcast about all things that can possibly go wrong in the realm of entertainment. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! And with us today is the absolutely incandescent Melissa Center, a true New York legend who has come back home to roost. Whoa! Um, I, and I'm sure literally throngs of people are very excited to have her back from L.A. While she was away, she did a whole bunch of film and TV. She was recently on This Is Us, Grey's Anatomy, True Detective, Masters of Sex, and... Even though she wasn't in New York, she made the solo show Marrying Jake Gyllenhaal, which is something that she's been joking about online for years, I think, when her well-meaning but overbearing Jewish mother was like, when are you going to settle down with a nice actor? Said literally no Jewish mother ever. It's only because it's it's him. Otherwise, it's like no actors allowed, but it's Jake Gyllenhaal, and so he's he's famous and rich, so. Right, of course. (laughs) Those are the only qualifications. Um, Marrying Jake Gyllenhaal has been a seed in your brain for a long time, and it became a solo show over the pandemic, premiered at Edinburgh Fringe, uh, live-streamed in an empty theater, and now it exists digitally online. So Melissa will make sure that we know where to find that so you can watch this brilliance. She also has a number of original films, uh, The Short RV, which is about uh, the threat to women's reproductive rights and her feature, All I Want. Both of these are streaming and we will talk about where to find those later as well. But basically, Melissa Center is a massive mover and shaker on stage and on screen. um, And she became New York famous among all of her peers when she did missed connections <laughs> that seems like eight lifetimes ago it was do you can you can you talk about that a little bit because I that, feel like that's how so many of us were introduced to you yeah. yeah please let it have been based off of Craigslist for sure for sure yeah so, so this was so I like stumbled upon missed connections on Craigslist and I was like mm-hmm. what and I can swear right Yes. Oh, yes. Great. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. (laughs) These people are crazy. And also, like, I love it so much. And and I was working on, so I was working on a solo show at the time that uh, the late, great Wynne Hanman was um, developing Mm. with me. And it was very, like, intense and heavy. And so this... I, I think I, I think my like system needed an antidote. And so I, I stumbled across these things and I was wanting to create something at the time. Um, also just to have like footage and, you know, s- some sort of calling card for myself. Um, and so I started to film them as little episodes and made a web series kind of before it was a thing to do, making web series. And so each episode was a different misconnection posting Yes. And character that I would like so interpret good. from the text and <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun and uh yeah this, like everything ran the gamut between you know people who were kind of like me and like you know tough men or kooky characters or just random um and so they were very simple at first I did it kind of like a monologue to camera and then as time went on I ended up raising 
funds so I could have my own equipment and like got more experimental with how I was shooting. So I, I kind of like taught myself filmmaking through that process. Um, it ended up give, get, getting me an invite into the Writers Guild East, like original digital caucus. So suddenly I was like, oh, I am a Writers Guild member. Oh my gosh, I never yeah. knew that part. Yeah, it was That's cool. wild. And we were, I was a, a part of this group of people who were, you know, at the forefront of making uh, digital content. So that was awesome. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was just a fun and quirky. Uh, oh, that sounds like a dream experiment. project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Would you say that you've done more um, more film and TV than theater or a little like a mix of both? Mix of both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I moved to Los Angeles, I was more focused on film and TV. I think my foundation was always in theater, um, theater and musical theater. And I came to New York at first because it was important for me to have that as my foundation. And like all people who I respected, I feel like came here first and had New York as the like base. And then I was actually... I felt like I was hitting my head against the wall in terms of getting into rooms for TV film. And so um, I ultimately had an opportunity to take me to LA and I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then I moved and I did do a couple of plays in New York. I mean, in, in Los Angeles um, that were that were really fun and meaningful. But, uh, you know, I, I my focus in moving there was to to build up my credits with on-camera stuff. Nice. Well, yeah. fun and meaningful aside, uh, we're here to talk about disasters. I know! I know! <laughs> <laughs> it is marvelous to sound like you had a, a wonderfully well-adjusted and rather positive career. <laughs> I think But I, I know like... that behind all of that facade yeah. are, are deep, murky cracks full of gross pudding. So, <laughs> I, You know, it's funny because I... When I look at my the opportunities that I've had and the spaces I've been in, I, I generally feel very fortunate, um, you know, and, and I don't know if it's just because that's where I focus. I try to, like, let the other stuff, you know, fall by the wayside. Well, and um, sometimes it just all blurs together. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But, yeah, can you think of – I I'm interested – in uh, both coasts, but if you have any specific yeah. stories of like a, a play that went wrong in LA, I don't understand how everything happens in LA at all. I definitely want to hear your most ridiculous LA moments for sure. Especially as someone who's so quintessentially New Yorker. In, <laughs> even though you're from Chicago, like you were, you were, you're such New York theater energy. I know. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and remember, like, we're, you know, you don't have to use names. Definitely. You can, not. You can no, protect the good. innocent or the guilty. <laughs> I know, and I'm trying to even think because 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 when you were when you first reached out to me, I was thinking of like kooky things that happen in theater, and some of the funkier things I feel like were more at the very beginning of my career when I was starting out, not in Los Angeles. Oh, we'll take whatever um, you got for sure. Yes. Well, like the first thing that came to mind was when I had to be like a pirate. <laughs> it's, I guess it's Halloween. It's Halloween time, so it makes sense. The very Perfect. first quote-unquote professional gig that I booked as an actor was in Chicago. I graduated from Northwestern at Navy Pier, and I had to be a pirate, like, in this Halloween show. They hired all these, like, local Chicago actors, and so you would have to do this thing over and over again, and they would, you know, bring in audiences, um, and it was... <clears throat> 
I just remember feeling like so horrified and humiliated that I had to be a pirate in this oh. like haunted house thing. I was like, I'm a real actor. I'm an actor. You know what I mean? I'm like a real actor. And I'm like, yarr, happy uh. Halloween. <laughs> and it was cold. And I'm like, shoot me now. I can't be doing this. No. Um. <laughs> was it supposed to be scary or silly? It was supposed to be scary. There were like sound effects and then you had to like jump out. And okay, I think, sure. I mean, some people love that. You know, some people are all about that life and even performers, but like oh, not sure. me, not me. <laughs> I'm, I, I feel like I'm a serious actress. <laughs> and was, so this was Was there lot. somebody at the, at this haunted show that uh, you thought was taking things specifically too seriously? <laughs> I'm sure there were, but I didn't, I wasn't friends with them. <laughs> was there a warm up circle beforehand? <laughs> um... I just, I don't, I don't remember any warm up circles, but I do, I do remember the area where we would sit, kind of whatever green room, and I feel like it had that particular smell. There's a particular smell that I associate also with restaurants. Desperation. Oh, okay, no, okay. No, but in the in the in the corridors, and uh-huh. I don't know if it's like the laundry or something. It's like this very specific smell that I associate with those back kind of stage spaces and like fluorescent lights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and you're it's like, very unmooring yes exactly um and then when I first moved to New York I I ended up stumbling into I think it was 13th Street Rep um are they the ones who do line maybe okay they've been is around it, for they've been around ever. it's like down a couple stairs right yeah yeah, okay. They're it's all like, down a couple stairs. Yeah, they're all down a couple stairs. Well, that's stairs. a great <clears throat> And I don't know how this came to be, but I was I ended up getting like sucked into this weird show that was kind of like a variety show. And I was cast as Liza Minnelli and Ava Gardner, but like maybe on different <laughs> nights or something. I don't even remember what the fuck this was. But... <laughs> But then I showed up to rehearsal and it was it wasn't even a normal rehearsal process. It was like thrown together and we were all in one space. And I think we were having to open in like two weeks time. But I was like, we don't even know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I got to the space and I was watching this other girl who was Liza Minnelli. And I was like, wait, I thought that was my role. No, I guess I'm Ava Gardner now. And then the guy who was the director was like totally sketch, just like, yeah. Yeah, have Love this clarity. weird energy, you know, just like slimy kind of feeling. Um, and I, I, I feel bad saying that out loud, which is horrible because he creeps people out. But like, uh, yeah, he was a character and I think kind of notorious over there. And I was looking at whatever rehearsal was going on and I was like, and, and, and I think it was going on and on into the night. And I'm just like, I oh. I can't. Bye. Oh, no. Like, I can't. And I quit. And I've yep. never quit anything in my life. And I'm like, oh. I cannot be a part of this. Good for and you, though. And I just, though. like, walked out the door. And I don't even remember if I sent it. I, I must. I'm, I'm not the type who just, like, ghosts ever. But I must have sent a note. But I, yeah, that was the end of that. Mm. Yeah, I've only quit one thing. And it was a, it was... I've done some pretty absurd shit, but um, including <laughs> absurd puppetry shit. But this was like an extreme personality 
for a puppet thing where I was just like, I don't know how you're going to get me. You're going to lure me out to this weird cold warehouse in the hinterlands of Brooklyn <laughs> and then and then yell at me for not knowing how to use this puppet you made after 10 <laughs> minutes. Like, oh, no, I have to go. It took me an hour and a half to get here. <laughs> and. Yeah. And the director that she should have avoided the most that was attached to, like, playing a biographical role that she yearned for for years. Oh, <laughs> I I was uh, I didn't get cast in an, in this Andy Warhol show. Um, and the director turned out to be this guy who had dressed up as a um, as a fireman and fooled this woman into letting her into his her apartment and then like held her hostage for hours. What? Yeah, I found that out later. Oh jeez. Mm-hmm. Well, dodged. <laughs> Fully. Yes. Fully. And and didn't you uncover it when you were sort of like lamenting that you didn't get this yeah. great show? Yeah. And the guy was, was like, um, never yeah. regret not working with him. Wow. Yeah, my friend was like, Oh yeah, I played George Plimpton in that show. And I was like, I really wanted to play Bridge of Berlin. And he was like, Oh, you didn't hear <laughs> this was before um you know this was back when the best you could hope for was uh, like a yahoo news group or a bulletin board of some sort to oh tell you God. things like this because that wasn't gonna be in backstage you know what i mean like right right and who we reads backstage for the other. articles anyway no one. Oh lord <laughs> So good. Um, let me see. Do, do, do. Oh, uh, would you tell us about Hell's Kitchen, the musical? Oh, yeah. So that was that. That's funny that you asked because I was like, that's that's my next story. Yay. Yay. So that I can't remember if that preceded that other weird show or whatever. This was like a weird original musical workshop called Hell's Kitchen, the musical. And I, I, I submit, I think I'm sure via backstage or something. <clears throat> and um, I was cast. And then the guy who was, I think he wrote it. He was some like older hippie dude who lived on the Upper West Side. And uh, all rehearsals would be in his apartment. Um, <laughs> no. Like nowadays... You're you're like horrified at what we did, right? Absolutely. But um, so it was actually a nice apartment, from what I recall. And he was like a nice guy, but he had a recording set up in his in his apartment. And I remember him telling me something like, "My voice was so powerful, and it was like uh, like an Ethel Merman or something." <laughs> wow. <laughs> which which Thanks. was like. Great, but also not the tone of the show, you know? Definitely like, not. Like, this is like Hell's Kitchen the Musical, and it's going to Broadway. Oh, absolutely. Not. So we did this random um, staged reading of it at a theater in Connecticut. So we all took the train there. I have very little recollection of the music or even the rehearsal process. Was it about the reality show or was it about Hell's Kitchen as the place? It was like a modern day West Side Story, but instead it was Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so it was Hell's Kitchen. Because in my head it was Gordon Ramsay. No, no, not Gordon (laughs) Ramsay. No, it was about the neighborhood. So I was like, you know, a bright eyed, bushy tailed girl, musical theater girl just arrived in New York City. I'm like, Hell's Kitchen, the musical. This is going to be like literally on Broadway. Like waiting for (laughs) government. Waiting for government stuff. Um, yes. So we did this. We did this reading, and actually, I feel like the theater space was a nice, a nice space. But um, there was one guy who we connected afterwards. I can say his name because we're friends now. His name is Matt Simpkins, 
And we were this I mean, this is why Facebook is great. So we I think we are Facebook friends. And like years later, he came to, to New York because he shifted into uh, doing cinematography. And uh, he looked me up and we kind of caught up over coffee. And we both were like, we remember literally no other human from that show except for each other. <laughs> like no yeah. one. I have no idea who else was involved with that thing except for <laughs> Matt Simpkins. <laughs> and oh he only gosh. remembers me. And, and now we're like, you know, dear friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love it that. Was, it was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And now, I mean, you were asking me about LA. Like, LA feels like a dream. Like, I was there for 10 years, and it just feels like a fever dream. No. What were some of the most ludicrous LA moments? Um, whether it was whether it was theater or or the auditioning process, which admittedly, for things like pilot season, I do envy LA. I know that there's so much more schlepping, but it doesn't have to happen during blizzards. Right, <laughs> right. Gosh, and and like this whole past couple of years, I feel like has turned everything into mush. Because yeah. my brain is like doesn't remember things. Um, I'm trying to think of like weird ass stories. I mean, LA itself is a weird ass story, so maybe that's why I can't remember specifics because it's just sure. like all weird. That it's just all weird. Um, Did you meet anybody at an audition that you were uh, surprised by their countenance slash demeanor? <laughs> I still remember people from from auditions in years past, like. Um, is there was something there's something about AMDA people that they would talk to you at six o'clock in the morning and then and they would be like, What song should I sing? And I'm like, You asshole, we're going for the same role. I don't care what you do. They, and they all had Gucci's song in their in their portfolio. I don't know why. I'll share something that's like kind of dirt that is self um it, it doesn't necessarily put me in the best light, but but it is also an example of like the upside downness of LA. So I can out myself in this regard. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I was brought on to be a like uh, acting a coach through a colleague's um, studio, and um, <clears throat> I had my own class, um, and that was all great. And then I was asked to substitute her classes when she was out of town on vacation. I think this is actually a good story to tell. Now, I'm, as you said, like kind of a New Yorker. I, or, you know, Chicago, like Midwest and New York person. I'm grounded and I don't bullshit people. I try not to. And also, though, I'm not like, I'm a pretty kind person. Yeah, and supportive yeah, no, person. you're not. You're not like, New York asshole. You're just like New I'm, York real. I'm just like direct, right? Yeah. So, I I was substituting our class, and one of the actors was doing a scene from the movie um, Susan Sarandon, and uh, it was. Uh, stepmom or something. One Julia of them Roberts. Is, I was thinking yeah. stepmom. So yes. I think mm-hmm. one of the characters is like dying of cancer or whatever. Yes. Right. Susan okay. Sarandon is dying, and the stepmom, so her ex-husband's new wife, is like yes. learning to take on the mantle of motherhood for her kids. Right. So they were doing a scene, and like it, it, you know, hinging upon the scene was the fact that the this girl is or Susan Sarandon character is like dying of cancer. 
And so she does a scene and there was like no connection to it whatsoever, basically. And also the scene was kind of like, and so like she was like talking like, like this. So mm. she was kind of like murmuring and like you couldn't really understand what was happening. So I was like, what is happening? So I started to work with her and I um, also have expectations that, uh, you know, people are, are like there to work and do their best work. So I was pushing her and she didn't like it very much. Mm. And, um, and I like made her do it again. And I could tell that she was kind of, you know, not pleased, but I'm like, we're here to work. Right. And I was saying, you know, how you show up in the classroom is how you show up out there. Like we need to figure out how to get you connected to the fact that you're fucking dying and like <laughs> whatever you need to do, but like, okay, let's, let's do it again. Right. So mm-hmm. I was definitely like pushing her and dying, uh, but you also need to communicate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I can't hear you. And like, these are the, these are the, you know, the necessities of the scene. So let's, let's figure out how to get there. Um, and then there was another girl too, who she, she was, she kind of had the opposite problem where she was like, acting really hard you know and she was she was a talented girl um uh so i i like got up on stage and i kind of um was mirroring to her like what i was seeing and i think she took great offense to that and so um I, oh, again, I, wish I made more people would do that as a oh, technique. Oh man! I, I I I had her do the scene again, and she actually like grounded it, and it was right on. And I was like, "There you go, right? She did a great job." Sure, sure, right. Well, and then she burned your house down. Yeah. Cut to cut to oh, no. like I uh, came back to the studio and had I was called into the office of my colleague t- for like a meeting, and she was like completely distraught. And apparently she got like multiple emails from students expressing like how I was horrifying and like abusive. <laughs> like, like Whoops. it was so. No, no. <laughs> oh. And so no. I was like, what? Like, was I even in that same space? Like, I felt like it was the twilight zone. And they apparently just couldn't handle, you know, being pushed. Mm. And so I was fired. <laughs> Uh, wow! Like no, 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 even chance. Suck. No even chance to be like, oh, okay. Well, a, I was exhausted. I probably had less of a filter than I normally do because of X, Y, and Z. Like, mm-hmm. let's address this and you know work through it. But no, no. Oh. So I was fired, and I was also like, am I fucking crazy? Like, it was <laughs> completely a different interpretation of what happened wow um and it was it was very illuminating i mean because i think again well i took for granted the fact that i come in with a certain amount of professionalism and you know i guess expected the people in the room to be like grown up Mm -hmm. adults and then i think they were maybe less um less capable of receiving that and also frat like super fragile people yeah right of course um so and if they thought that was bad boy howdy just you wait <laughs> like Truly. thankfully i am glad that we're shining more light on actual abusive behavior yes, 100%. In, in the entertainment industry but like buckle up 
bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, gets I was so like, much worse. I I was I was accused of being like an abuser. Like what? Melissa Center? <laughs> I just like made zero sense. <laughs> Bananas. So, yeah. To this day, I'm still like, what the fuck actually happened from like some other person's vantage? Yeah, (laughs) right, right. I had an acting teacher who was very popular and like in the zeitgeist around 2007, maybe. And he, um, the best parallel that I can make is to David Cronenberg's horror movie, The Brood, which is (laughs) this, first of all, very, very, very excellent movie um, that's like about using um, kinesthetic physiological therapy to like basically shake up like a like a charged can of coke uh-huh. shake up all your trauma and then see what happens oh. and that's what this dude was like oh wow <laughs> he built whole theories around it and i wow. would go to class and everyone would just like have legit breakdowns and i was like i don't think this is acting yeah yeah no that's a different <laughs> that's a different thing entirely like i think I a lot of acting classes are can be well first of all a lot of teachers can be like this major kind of guru ego thing, right? Oh, yeah. And then they can be they can be incubators for abuse. They definitely can. Mm-hmm. I experienced, you know, things in my past. Um, but yeah, that's not what this was. <laughs> no, definitely not. This was just a maybe you can act a little better. <laughs> Let me show you what I'm seeing. Yeah. Because I'm seeing a whole lot of indicating. <laughs> right. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, what is the strangest thing you've ever been dragged to as an audience member? The strangest? Well, oh gosh. Strangest or like most cringe-inducing or like something that you thought you were... It doesn't supposed- even have to be bad. Yeah, it could, right, it could right, be right. good. It could have been amazing, but okay. totally bonkers. Yeah, because I was thinking of this one play. I, I can't say it out loud because I sure. don't want anyone to hear. But yeah, of course. It was just, it was, I, I, brought my, I brought my former roommate and girlfriend to it, and it was so fucking bad. But I could not leave because I, I knew people involved. And we were both, like, squeezing each other's hands because we're like, oh, yeah. this is horrible. Oh, yeah. God. Um, we've all been there. Yeah, we've yep. all been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, ask the question again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if anything else pops into um, my brain. Most unique strange cringy notable noteworthy thing but not an experimental experimental yeah. right right yes um or something that takes like a crazy turn like just a unique one for example in around 20 2009 maybe they were doing something called theater for one and there was just this black little telephone box in the middle of times square and there was a line of people that wound around the block and you'd go in and you would have a completely unique experience so it was just large enough to have like a little tiny cell for the performer with a light and then to have one red velvet seat in front of them and you didn't know what performance you were going to get you didn't know what kind of a a person was going to perform for you it could be a it could be an aria it could be a clowning thing it could be stand-up or magic or a monologue you had no idea it was so cool i saw i saw something like that that was actually it was um it was 10 people 10 audience members at a time and you were only in there for 15 minutes i think and there were um 
I think that they might have been clowns, but some sort of outrageously costumed people. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it was like set up like a living room, right? And you had little pieces of paper and you had to ask them to do things. Oh my God. You would send the mail, they would read the mail, and it would trigger a series of events. Like whatever it was, like if somebody had to iron, then all of a sudden like the ironing board would fall out of the wall and then, I don't know, like a bunch of bouncy balls would come out. So... It was it was like a, a fascinating game. Rube Goldberg device kind oh of thing, and I think it was called She May Arrive because like five of the things that you could do could make the main character show up, but you might see a whole show that didn't even have the main character. Oh wow! It. I'm obsessed it, like, with this. I remember oh you telling God. me about this at yeah, the moment. It was wild, and then there was somebody so like sitting in a cutout of a moon, and you could get them to sing an opera aria, and it was That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. I, I did go to a, a, a site-specific version of Cuckoo's Nest oh, in God. Los Angeles. Ooh. That was actually pretty good. And Where so, was that it? That sounds very scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was It was in this, like, space that felt like, I think it was, like, bleacher seats, but it was a big open room. And then, so it was a combination of play, and it was, it was, it was pretty well done, where they had scenes that, that were lit. Like you were watching a real play, but then at the be- at the beginning and, and, and times throughout, you had to interact with the environment. So you were given you were given a thing like as if you're a patient coming into this uh, to the mm-hmm. nut house. And there was there was some game. I remember you had to follow clues. Um, yeah. So great. Uh, and, and so you were kind of interacting with some of the actors, but you didn't really know who was who yet until then the play started. Oh my god, I love that. Uh, oh, yeah, that was pre- fuck, that was pretty cool awesome. actually. Um, and for the most part, I thought the performances were strong. That's great. Yeah. Oh god. Um, I will tell you by contrast, the strangest thing I've ever gone to when I was um, my senior year of college, I was. I I was taking like one class and the rest of it was an informal internship. And I was an intern for this company called the, um, uh, what the hell were we called? We were, we were at the Down East Arts, I've, boy, wow, that just flew right out of my brain. We were at the Down East Arts Center, which was this, um, beloved little Lower East Side nook of arts. And like Vince D'Onofrio, Vince D'Onofrio used to do acting classes there. And they would do play festivals. And I worked for this lady who was really sweet and had been in theater for 9,000 years. And there was a little old man, like a fucking blind salesman. He came in in like a three-piece suit and shiny (laughs) shoes and a fucking hat. And he was going door to door and he was like, I'm selling tickets to my one-man show. Would you like some? And I was like... Yes, sure. I will. Well, I'll support your little... Te- well, what is it? And he goes, it's called How High Is Up? And I was like, great. Yes, I will buy two tickets. I think it And the end me- of the story is it was actually the old man from Up. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> I wish it ended that way. So I think like it may balloons. have cost me $6 in total. And then... Oh, my God. Uh, and then I took uh, I, t- I, I took my boyfriend at the time and I was like, we're going to New York. We're going to see this little old man's one man show. And he's like, oh, boy. And so we got the location is a dance studio. So imagine if you saw a show at Chelsea Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
that, Mm -hmm. um, but not that space. Something far more rinky-dink. So we go into this (laughs) tiny little dance studio, and I realize that it's me and my boyfriend and a ton of gay men who are like, I uh, don't really know what's going on here. The little old man enters with a tiny boom box and he puts it down on the floor and he gets up in front of all of us and he proceeds to basically do a totally unhinged lecture on how he is a messenger from God. Yes. Um, he's definitely trying to pray away the gay for all <gasps> of these young men. Oh, Oh, no. And he's talking like the book of Revelations. Whoa. The whole time. And Andrew is squeezing the bones in my hand. And I'm like, how do we get out of this? Because it's just a tiny room where like 10 people are sitting. Oh, no. Fewer. I'm sure it was probably like seven. Oh. And at the end, he's like, does anybody have any questions? (laughs) And I actually raised my hand and I have no idea what the fuck I asked him. I have no idea. But I got got swindled into seeing this man just rant like he should have been doing on a street corner. Oh, my God. That is so old school New York. I love it. (laughs) Truly, truly. It was wild. <laughs> that's that's pretty epic. <laughs> that's like one crazy. ticket to the mental wow. feud, please. Oh my god. It was so bananas. I don't think I ever trusted anyone again, so I became even more like, fuck you, when I would walk through Times Square and people were like, Do you like to laugh? No, yeah, bitch. Do you like I do comedy? not. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Oh god, Lillian, I wish we had enough time for you to tell Melissa about this. The company you used to work for where you'd sell tickets, and then when you went into the room with the god, the German Shepherd. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can cut it out if we need to, but, like, oh I, uh, so I used to have to be at this place at 7 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and it was all direct sales, and it was – I was selling tickets to the Comic Strip Live, which is on the Upper East Side. And it was just like strips of cardboard tickets. And you, at the beginning, like you were assigned a place to go, like um, Fairly Dickinson University in Teaneck, <laughs> which is a, a nerd school where p- kids don't even leave the campus, let alone go to the Upper East Side to do anything. It's not a real campus. Mm, I mean, I don't know anything about it. I just know that the kids were all like, we don't go anywhere. We are in bumfuck New Jersey and we are not going into the city. <clears throat> for with your ten dollar ticket, so it uh, so there were different things that people were selling. Like um, some people were selling like hair and makeup packages mm-hmm. and or like booze cruises. And you would get there at seven o'clock in the morning, and the music would be so loud because they didn't want you to talk to the other people who were new. So they they were deliberately like keeping you from having conversations with other people and then you had to do a juicy pitch i don't know if you have ever seen um requiem for a dream Mm -hmm. but when they're like they're like juice by alice juice by alice go juice and then somebody's like i'm selling a food dehydrator blah 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 yeah i I have made us chant that yeah (laughs) they made us chant that and then i and then you had to give a pitch and i was a dollar off like, I, I came back one night, and they were counting out the money in this room with this, like, slimy Guido dude and his dog who also had gold chains. <laughs> yes! Like a big Doberman oh, yeah. or something. And uh, I was a dollar off, and they were like, they were like, 
trying to shake me down. And I was like, I ca- I must have counted wrong. I'm sorry. Like oh I don't God. have, I don't have a till bag. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, and I'm a theater major. That's so I terrifying. Can't yeah, the jobs we do. Um, I, 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 one of my first job side jobs in Los Angeles was doing these like presentations for like sales presentations basically inside grocery stores with a product called Chef's Envy. Okay, and it was like a mandolin slicer. Ooh, yes. This thing was the worst. And you had to like do this uh, monologue essentially and it was like a whole sales pitch and like go through the things and like chop up the vegetables and do a demonstration. And then there was like a very specific way where you would hand out the boxes to like an invisible person and then that would incentivize a person to be like, I want one, I want one. And so it was like super creepy and manipulative. Mm -hmm. Um, But in one of the things, my hand slipped so in the middle of the thing, I fucking, like, my knuckles graze that slice at all. Oh, no! I'm having, like, a trauma response right now. And so I, like, it starts to bleed, and I'm just, like, wrapping. I was, like, wrapping oh, no, my no, no. fucking knuckles with a paper towel, and I was pummeling through because the show must go on. <laughs> and oh, it was, like, wow. blood was, like, you know, draining <laughs> through the, like, paper towel. And I don't think anyone purchased one of them. During that, oh that section, but I was like, "This, I can't do this anymore. This is terrible." That's amazing! <laughs> wow, the yeah. horrors, the horrors. Oh, yeah, I remember. I mean, I growing up, that was a huge thing to have somebody be like, um, like they would do it in Kmart. They would come over the mm-hmm. loudspeaker and they're like, the "Come over here!" and yep. like, "You'll get." It. You'll get one free serrated knife if you listen to this pitch about That's our right. fancy mandolin thing. That was mm-hmm. it. That oh, was my God. It. Wow. So good. Bless. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, this has been a joy. Um, where can people follow and support you, and especially if they want to view your show marrying Jake Gyllenhaal or either of your films, All I Want and RV, where can they find you and your stuff? Yeah, so um, you can follow me on the socials at Melissa Center. Um, I also do um, videos every other Tuesday called Tutu Tuesday, where I like dance out in the world wearing a pink tutu. Have you not seen any of these? I've never, but I've been so like Girl. off social media. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a wild couple years. I'll, I'll- <laughs> All good. So I usually post those on my Instagram thing and um, Facebook too. But Instagram for just like following content is easiest, I think. Um, But that's like a YouTube channel under my thing, Tutu Tuesdays. Um, RV. So my website has a, a direct link to RV to watch that. So if you go to my website and you click like films, it's RV short film on my website or you could probably just google like rv short film sure and it'll come up um all i want is on the most of the streaming platforms so you can watch it on prime uh voodoo to itunes I, I think imdb has a link or um so so yeah you can you can get that um my so my solo show wasn't really available to watch to the general public because i'm still like what how am i getting this out there and sure. the next step but um, when you asked me to see it, I ended up making it like, you know, available on on its site, MarianJJillenhallThePlay.com for people to watch. Amazing. You know, if, if you are able to contribute to the cause of art, I have a link for that for contributions. Perfect. Yes, definitely. Um, 
and uh, so so I'm not necessarily like advertising that right now, but but if you, know, you want your viewers, Easter egg, yeah, your viewers can maybe can maybe watch it. Perfect. Um, yeah, because I'm still like figuring out strategy for next steps for that. But oh, it, well, it, thank it, you for doing that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it, huh? Those are the plugs. Those, Those are, the are the plugs, and then there's social. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we just follow along. Well, yeah. welcome back. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us and tell yeah. us such delicious stories. Thank you for having me. What a delight. What a delight. Uh, Well, friends, this has been Melissa Center. I am Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. And we hope you break all the legs. But don't dislocate your shoulder or or uh, shave off your knuckles. Don't shave off shave off your knuckles. (laughs) And I swear I'm not a scary, abusive person. (laughs) That's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) 